0: Could the Cowboys go all-in in in 2022, and if they wanted to, should they? All that and so much more on this episode of the Locked on Cowboys podcast.
1: You are Locked on Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Locked on. Locked on. Locked on.
0: Locked on Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher, and I am joined by Joey Ikes. You can find him on Twitter at Joey Ikes. Joey, you wrote an article this week on si.com about if the Cowboys could go all in in 2022. My first question for you is should they?
2: Always. That's always Just. the answer. Yes. Every year. So, and the, the reason, you know, we come up with these, these sort of meme level, almost little quote, the running backs don't matter, right? The caps are bad. Sac- yeah. Sacks <laughs> are a quarterback stack, all this kind of thing. Um, and one of mine is that five years is football eternity. And that, like, if you think back to five years ago, um, when you when you think about what the Cowboys team looked like then, and how different it looks now, you should almost never be worried about what's going on five years in the future, because you just never know what's going to change, what's going to happen, what your team's going to look like. You should always be worried about the current year that you're wor- that you're looking towards, and then maybe a year or two after that, just to make sure that that you're that you're at least being um, being looking at the whole picture of a decision. Yeah,
0: for sure. Sure. Uh, all right. So we're going to run through uh, the possibilities for the Cowboys to go all in, what they would need to do, how they would go about doing it. So let's, let's just dive right into some of these contracts. So, again, check out Joey's article on uh, SI.com, uh, the Cowboys site with Mike Fisher. Let's look at some of these contracts that they could potentially restructure, which ones we feel like. Our lock. I think the Dak Prescott contract is going to be restructured pretty quickly. That one seems pretty pretty easy, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, it, the way it was written, it was written to be restructured. They're going to do it. They've done it with every quarterback contract that they've written for a long time. So, yes, for sure.
0: And I believe they're going to save about 15 million if they restructure that deal, correct?
2: Yes, that's right. If they if they maximize it, you know, add the because it's a four-year deal, they'll have to add, you know, additional years down at the end of the contract. Uh, I think there's one or there's one of those already. They may have to add a void a void year at the end of the deal okay. uh, to get that full benefit. But yes, to, to get to fifteen million dollars, they can very easily save fifteen
0: by restructuring his deal. Yes. And that of all the contracts we're going to talk about seems the most likely, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. It's okay. the um. We'll, we'll get to the next couple of guys that you know can bring the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, but that's the one that can get you the most money, the easiest. You're confident he's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. And so because yeah. of that, it, it's real easy to flip that switch back and add those voided years and worry about those later.
0: Uh, I'm going to pair the next two together because they've been in the news a lot. Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper. So according to your article, the Cowboys, that did the, if they did the maximum restructure with Demarcus Lawrence, could save $14.3 million, and with Amari Cooper, $15.1 million. Of these two, which one do you think is more likely? And would you flip the switch on both of these contracts?
2: Oh, man, the more likely question is a great question. And I, I don't know, honestly, what answer I can give there because I, this is one of those strings of logic that they, we get on, these, on the Cowboys narrative side relatively often at this point that I just can't follow the logic with. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time, there's at least a string of logic that you can follow through. And say, okay, they feel like they can do this better with this guy or whatever. Uh, and with these two guys, I just don't see how your football team gets better when you let go one of your two or one of your, you know, six or seven best players on your team, regardless of which one it is. So,
0: all right, so let's I, let's go through this really quickly. So, let's talk about Lawrence. Right? Could you see them talking themselves into saying, "Hey, we played without Lawrence for a majority of the season last year." we're going to bring back Randy Gregory and we want Micah to play more edge anyways. I, we could, we could do without DeMarcus Lawrence. Is, is that the way they're going to talk themselves into it?
2: I think if they're going to talk themselves into it, that's the way they're going to do it. Yeah. But if you, if you do allow yourself to, to think that way, then you got to think about what the ramifications are at other positions. That means, okay, now we have to, we were probably going to prioritize linebacker anyway in the draft and free agency and stuff to have to pair a guy with, with Micah and to let Micah do his rush stuff in sub packages. Anyway, if he stayed at linebacker now, if he's switching to play more edge, now we need another linebacker too on top of that. And so you're by letting, and this is sort of the problem with these sorts of moves is you wind up running on a treadmill or a hamster wheel. Almost. It's like you go out and yes, you save some money by letting go of tank, but now by letting go of tank, you've created a whole at, at, left end to fill that hole at left end. We're going to move Micah to play that yep. role. And now we've created a hole at linebacker, which is a less important position, but now we've created another hole at linebacker when there already was one. So you're just, you don't ever improve your, your team by, by improving yeah. the guys in the middle or the bottom of your depth chart. Like the way yeah. you improve the guys at the middle is you improve the guys at the top and let it all trickle down. So that, I just, I can't get on board with letting either of those guys go.
0: Yeah, we'll get to Amari. But Lawrence, I feel like if they do decide to move on, it's just a really deep free agency edge class. Like There's a lot of guys out there that are really good. And maybe you could replace the the Marcus Lawrence with, let's say, I'm, I'm just throwing out a name, like Vaughn Miller, right? Could you get Vaughn Miller at a cheaper price than Lawrence? Potentially. Could you go out and get somebody like Chandler Jones? Potentially. The problem is, is you just don't save all that much money by right. – cutting Demarcus Lawrence, right? Like, I, is it the number of 6 million, something like that?
2: Yeah, right about there. Let's see. We can look at it and figure yeah. it out exactly.
0: So, so if you cut Lawrence, it's not like you have all this sort of money that you can go out and spend on somebody else. You're probably just using that money to to get Randy Gregory back. Now, you could make an argument. The draft has a lot of a lot of edge rushers, and maybe you find a long-term answer there. It just it doesn't make sense to me to cut him when you only save a few million.
2: Right. I'm on the same page for sure. You're not going to get the, you're not going to turn around that six or $7 million and get the same amount of talent that you would get on the field. If you just had DeMarcus Lawrence on the field.
0: And and the good thing about if you do restructure Lawrence's his injury this year, I know it was a broken foot and I know that's always worrisome, but it's not a back injury, which is why he's been injured the last couple of years. Right? Like even when he came back from the foot injury, He looks really good. Like he was their second best defensive player other than Micah Parsons in the playoff game. I have no problems at all keeping DeMarcus Lawrence around for the next two or three years. I think he's still going to be a really good edge rusher.
2: Yeah. And I, I do think that there's an opportunity with Lawrence that exists that probably doesn't exist with Amari where I think you could go to tank and you could explain to him sort of where you are, that you want to keep him around but that you just need to change some language in his contract. You want to give him the ability to earn the same amount of money. Yes. But for cap purposes, you want to account for it a little different. And in exchange, instead of him having, you know, an $18 million salary, that's not guaranteed. You're going to give him a $10 million fully guaranteed salary with a bunch of bonuses that, and we could get into the weeds on the cap stuff. uh, Don't count against the cap because they're considered not likely to be earned because he didn't play most of the year. And you could do right. big things like um, a big bonus if he's on the per game, if he's on the active roster for more than, for one game more than he was on the active roster for in um, in Which would be like 2021. Games, right? Exactly. Yep. If he's on the active roster for 11 games in 2022, he gets a $8 million bonus. And none of that $8 million counts towards the salary cap until it happens. And then it rolls in. And by that point in time, you can, you know, you deal with that stuff later on with accounting uh, if it happens. But because if he plays 12, 14, 16, 17 games next year, you're happy to pay him the $18 million. Absolutely. Yeah. The problem is, is that he hasn't played that many games most years. So you build it in a way that it benefits both of you. If he performs, he gets paid the way he's paid to perform or the way he's going to perform. And if he doesn't, then the team is protected a little bit. Uh, and I, I think that you could probably work something out there. And I, I, I know, you know, through the grapevine that the Cowboys are exploring that idea for sure.
0: And that was my next question. How likely is that to happen? And It sounds like we're starting to hear whispers that feels pretty likely, right? Yeah, I
2: think they'll at least it's because, like you said, they don't save that much by cutting in. I think that they will at least explore the idea of, OK, how do we how do we save a similar amount of money? And keep the player uh, yes. and maybe, and maybe doing it without, you know, without sacrificing Steven Jones coveted five years from now cap space.
0: Uh, I want to talk about Amari, but let's take a quick break. So we can tell you guys about bet online football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam with both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today. Is
1: your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements?
0: or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Is your
1: team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast they'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL draft check out mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all
0: right let's go to amari the the big one here if they restructure him they can say 15 million if they cut him I believe it's 16 million around there <sighs> This one bothers me because I I don't see how in the world you are a better team next year without Amari Cooper on the roster. And if you can save 15 million by restructuring him, do it. That's that's enough probably yeah. to sign Randy Gregory and maybe some somebody else. Am I crazy here?
2: No, not at all. It's that I went through this exercise a little bit last year when, you know, the the cap was crunched a little bit more than normal. And uh, and, you know, part of part of my brand is that the cap is not real. Right. And so um, when a player would get released by a team, um, I would have people come in my mentions on Twitter and say, see, the cap is real. They cut Mm -hmm. this guy. And the, the, the answer to that is exactly what you said with Amari, is that they can save almost the same amount of money by restructuring Amari as they can by releasing him. So by deciding to release him, they're deciding that $1 million in cap space, the difference between what you could save by restructuring him and what you save by cutting him is worth more to them than the player. What that means is not that the cap is real or that the cap is a restriction. It means that they didn't really want the player on their team anymore. Otherwise they would have obtained the cap space without letting go of the player. And so that's the exact situation with Amari. And I, just like you, I don't understand it at all. I don't see how you expect to play offense next year. Um, The way the offense is currently constructed with Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson and all those guys also gone, Michael Gallup coming off an ACL, even if he does come back, who knows what, what sort of shape he, what sort of way he's ready to play Mm -hmm. by that point in time and where, or when he's ready to play. And then, uh, and then basically you're left with CD lamb and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And it's like, what kind of offense do you build, around those guys with Dak Prescott and an offensive line, you're already going to have to invest some resources in. So I don't understand it. I think it's extremely cut and dry. And this is like the Amari situation is one of the more aggravating situations to me as somebody who like really appreciates like the Rams approach to team building where it's like, and even if they weren't, you know, even if it wasn't the Rams being like all in for a three or four or five year run, even if it was, I really appreciated the Browns like fully committing to a rebuild and the, mm-hmm. the Dolphins yep. fully committing to a rebuild because what that is is it's the old Sigmund Bloom clarity, That's right? Just like, about a we're we're yep. all we're all pulling the rope in the same direction. So every decision we make is for a certain purpose. So like the Rams traded a couple of first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, uh, but they didn't him and haw about paying him for a year and a half and just plug him into the defense they were already playing and say, hey, he made our defense better. They traded first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. They made him the highest-paid player, the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history in the league, and then they hired defensive coaches with the specific purpose of how do we maximize Jalen Ramsey's impact on the game on a week-to-week basis. And they even talked about it during the Super Bowl Broadcast Collinsworth did about how they talked about getting Ramsey touches. So they would use the tendencies of the Bengals to decide which wide receiver he was going to be covering on a particular play to increase the odds that Jalen Ramsey was involved in the play. And that's like the complete opposite of what the Cowboys do, right? They trade a first round pick for Amari and we're like, yes, commitment. Like they're trying to like make the offense better. They traded a, a big pick. They're committing to this. And then for a year and a half they hemmed and hawed about whether they were gonna pay him to the point where they let him hit the free agent yeah. market and take offers yeah. from other teams. And and then they do pay him and then they just leave him plugged in the offense and just make him a part of the progression without you know using Landon's term, pressing the easy button to get him easy targets and, and receptions and things like that. And then now here we are, what two years into his new contract, and we're talking about whether we're going to release him to save some cap space. And it's like none of these things add up to a synergistic, like all pulling in the same direction approach to running the team. Um, and it's it's really kind of it's hard to follow, and that's why I say I, I can't follow the logic on some of this stuff, is because either you're either you're trying to win a championship in the next couple of years or you're not trying to win a championship in the next couple of years. You're trying to win one five years from now. And the two decision-making paths on those situations are like drastically different. And they don't really see, they seem to be sort of be doing what they always do, just sort of riding the fence half and
0: half well, and, and the, trying the to Amare finish. It's so weird because like, I feel like they traded in, in 2018, they were three and five when they traded for Amari, they traded for Amari because I don't want to say Dak was being ruined or anything like that, but, He kind of was right. Like you go look at Dak's splits from the end of 2017 and the first half of 2018, we're talking about a quarterback that was, I think he had a pass rating of like 83 during that stretch. And then you trade for Amari and Dak goes crazy. He goes off. The Cowboys make the playoffs that year and then they win a playoff game. And then they didn't sign him after that season, which to me didn't make any sense. right? Right. So Amari comes back in 2019 he has a 1200 yard season and eight touchdowns and you let him hit free agency. Right. And then, and then he comes back in 2020. He has another amazing year. He had 11 touchdowns with four different quarterbacks, primarily playing with Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci in Cooper rush. And now he had a season where he played with a hurt deck. He was banged up and now, Hey, let's get rid of him. I, I just don't understand this one at all. At all. Like, did the Cowboys front office just never love Amari even before they traded for him? And they just felt like, Hey, we had to do this in order to keep interest in the team. it, It just feels so odd to me, Joey.
2: Yeah. That's, that's exactly the same way that I feel is it, it just doesn't follow a logical path of action from the trade to now here we are going into the, the fourth or fifth season since the trade. And it feels like the whole way they were just like, sort of reluctantly having Amari Cooper on their team and they only paid him after Washington made an offer to him and they, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, why did you trade a first round pick that you hold so dearly to your heart in most situations, you traded a first round pick for this guy claiming, Hey, he's, you know, 24 years old. He's going to be here a long time. And then none of your actions followed that. And here we are now, going into the 2022 season with another set of you know rumors and potential actions but, that just doesn't tie itself to that
0: at all. But you know what's frustrating is you traded a first round pick for him, and he did exactly what you were right. hoping for him exactly. to do. He exactly. produced despite not a ton of targets, and he made Dak better. Right. I, I mean, I don't get it. You can look at Dak's career splits with and without Amari, and it's drastic. You're talking about somebody I believe has like 109 passer rating and like eight yards of attempt with Amari down to under seven and yeah. an 84 passer rating. Why would you want to get rid of his best receiver who is 27 years old and is the best route runner on the team? I I, I just don't understand it. But let's let's move to some other guys because we, yeah. we've got other guys to talk about. Zach Martin, uh, a full restructure, 8.5 million. I, I would do that one yeah, in a heartbeat. absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, he's
0: going to be around here for a while. I don't see any signs of aging from his game. That one seems pretty likely, right?
2: Right, absolutely. He's been a little more banged up the last couple of years than he was early in his career, but you know, he's there's no signs of his play declining due to age, right. uh, and he's been able to play through most of those injuries. So, so absolutely.
0: So go we've got forward. the Dak for us. I mean, we would do Dak, Demarcus Lawrence, Amari, and Zach Martin, and that saves you. What is that? Almost fifty million in cap space, right there. Uh, yeah, a little over fifty. Little little over 50. All, all right, let's go through a couple more of these. Tyron Smith.
2: I so I have a little bit of an interesting take on Tyron. Okay. Uh, and I've talked to you guys about this, so I, I, I think the Cowboys have to feel so much better about Tyron Smith going from twenty-one to twenty-two than 100%. they did coming off of twenty-twenty going into twenty-one. Yeah, we've yes. that take, by the way. Yeah, we're, we're, He, yeah, he we're, missed, we're he missed games. Yeah, he missed games, and I get it. And that's part of a trend in his career that he's missed games. But, like, any offensive lineman in the NFL could have gotten rolled up on on mm-hmm. those two plays that he got rolled up on when his ankle got hurt. And it happened twice. Like, that's the other side of it, is that it's not just like he got one high ankle sprain and yep. missed seven games or whatever. Like, he, and we came he back
0: got, pretty quickly from the high ankle exactly. sprain. Exactly. Like three exactly. games he missed and he came back.
2: Right. He came back and he was he was, you know, a little shaky in the first game, but then after that he was fine. And then he got hurt again. And then they sort of waited until close to the playoffs, brought him back for the playoffs, etc. But the the thing that hasn't been an issue, the neck wasn't an issue at all. The back wasn't an issue at all. He moved incredibly well, especially early in the year, was moving unbelievably. So there's really no reason to feel hesitant about Tyron unless he's given you messages that Hey, I'm, you know, I'm a couple of years from retiring. Like I might even extend Tyron cause he's, you know, that's a, yep. that's an option that isn't included in the article cause that wasn't the premise. Right. But, yep. but I might even look to say, okay, Hey, Tyron, we love you. We want to keep you around. Let's run this thing out for three more years. We'll give you a decent size signing bonus this year. Uh, and then we'll sort of keep the salaries at the same level. You get a bump here this year for the big signing bonus and you're still cheaper than the rest of the tackles in the league. You get to keep your family here for the rest of your career. You don't ever have to worry about playing anywhere else. And we've got our left tackle for five more years. And now we can worry about, okay, who's the swing tackle guy, right tackle guy, um, and know that the left side is going to be solid as long as he's there. And like I said, the neck and back thing, from what he said about how he felt to to the way he played, like it seems like the surgery last year resolved that situation. So I, I feel way better about Tiring going to 22 than I did coming into 21.
0: Do you think this is the healthiest he's been in like five years going into February oh, and March? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause I can't imagine like, you know, as, as we age, we all start to, you know, hurt a little bit, right? We sleep on our shoulder the wrong way and yep. we wake up and can't move for two days. Right. Yep. I can't imagine what he was going through with the neck and back issues that he was having and having to wake up every day and go to work and train and all that kind of stuff just to try to get himself ready and now, like he doesn't, at least from the way he moved and the way he talked, he doesn't have that anymore. Right. And we, right. there's a saying that bad backs never get better. Right. But uh, the, the surgery may have, may have done the trick here. Um, in that he seems like things are a lot better for him now than they were over the course of the last few years. And if that's the case, I mean, he's still one of the best offensive tackles in the game
0: yeah. when he's on the field. Uh, so right there, those, those five moves would net the Cowboys $62.5 million. That would put them about 40 million under, under the salary cap. But we're not done. We're going to keep going through a couple more of these names. But let's take a quick break to tell you guys about Built Bar. This time of year, almost everybody's given up on their New Year's resolution, but not us, because we are sticking to ours because we love Built Bar. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, with most Built Bars only containing 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs and 17 grams of protein. They have so many great flavors, including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And the new flavor this month is white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all so delicious and they're healthy. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15. Is
1: your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast,
0: part of the Locked
1: On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: All right, Joey, let's run through a couple more of these names uh, and just kind of yes/no and a simple, uh, you know, explanation on these. Ezekiel Elliott, nine million if you restructure him.
2: The answer to that one's no. Like clearly, yeah, like okay. you, you, you. you normal, you shouldn't sign running backs to second contracts anyway. You really shouldn't restructure them three or four years into said second contracts. Like no, that's that's one of those that was very clearly part of this yeah. like alternative universe where they're just being completely reckless about uh, about what they're doing. You, you don't restructure Zeke at this point
0: now. Now, if the Cowboys, if the Cowboys restructure Zeke. I actually wouldn't hate it because to me, that would signal we are all in, right? We are pushing all of our chips in to go win in 2022 and 2023. If that move is on top of all of these other moves, and we're just trying to give ourselves as much cap space as possible to go out and sign free agents and trade for guys, I'm actually okay with it. But by itself, absolutely not, right? There's no way. Yeah, that's one of those that, like, it
2: goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, if they release Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence to save cap space and then restructure Ezekiel Elliott to save cap space, like, what are you doing? Like, there's no clarity about what's going on. There's It's going in two completely opposite directions. Like, either rebuild the thing and eat all the dead hit this year and turn around and, and start to think towards the future for 2023 and beyond with maybe a new head coach and all that kind of stuff. Or let's freaking go for 2022 to 2024 yep. here and just push everything back as far as you can and let's go. But if those two things, those two paths diverge, then it just makes no sense. And that's where right. I think I think you said it well. If you're all in and you're going for it, then let's go for it. Sure, push the yep. money back with Zeke. But if you're sort of trying to, trying to ride the fence and do both, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I, it I just agree. proves that you're trying to win the salary cap trophy and not the Lombardi
0: trophy. Did they give you a trophy for that? I think Steven Jones uh, I, thinks so, at least. I, I I bet he has
2: one of those little ones on his <laughs> desk that, like, sits there that says, like, salary cap space champion
0: of the world or something like that on it. I bet. Uh, all right, a couple more. Lyle Collins, $7 million. I could see them going either way on that one. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I'm with you. It's one of those that, like, I probably wouldn't, A, because he's a really good tackle, uh, and I wouldn't move him to guard either. He's a tackle, and he's either. really stinking good at it. Um if they decide, okay, Terrence steals our right tackle, we like Terrence as much or more than we like Lyle anyway, we can save the $7 million and play Terrence. We feel okay about Josh Ball and our ability to bring in you know, another veteran tackle to help sort of the way they've done it in the past with a young tackle and a veteran tackle um, to be sort of the backups there. Um, you know, okay, but yep. I don't think you get better by doing that for sure. I think the way that you have the best offensive line possible is Lyle playing right tackle and Terrence still there to fill in for either tackle who might run into right. some injury. And then you add some pretty significant – you add a big beefy resource to the interior on the left side or at center, and then away you go, and I think you feel pretty good about what you've got.
0: I agree. A couple more. Anthony Brown at $3 million. I, I actually would just leave his contract the way it is. Yeah, I would, uh, yeah basically use him up this year and actually i i think he would be a good trade candidate yeah. too if somebody yeah. needs a corner and you're they're offering a fourth round pick you can save some money that way i think i would do that uh yeah like jarwin two two 2.7 million what do you i i mean i
2: he's sort of the same way with me as yeah. anthony brown where it's like okay we can leave his contract alone we can release him to save some money to turn around and play pay yeah. dalton schultz or pay you know oj howard or somebody like that or we can just move on completely or just keep Dalton, keep Blake Jarwin and yep. let him play out the year and go forward.
0: All right. So that's the majority of the moves that you talked about in the article. So let's say the Cowboys do open up somewhere between 20 and $40 million in cap space, and they're going all in. What's one move that you would love to see them do, either in the draft, in a trade, in free agency, to, to really signal we're going for it? Oh, that's a great question. I would love
2: – to see them have conversations with Minnesota about Adam Thielen. Hmm. Okay. Because you know, like there, these are the situations where you can really, um, you can really take advantage of a market inefficiency, right? Is that they just brought in a completely new regime, right? Um, and there's a lot of rumors and stuff in the mill right now about, they're going to make some big decisions about that roster, um, in the coming months. And if you could wind up with, they're not going to give up. You're not going to get Justin Jefferson from them, Right. No, it's no. that's the young cornerstone piece. They're probably building around for the next five to eight years. Right. But Adam Thielen's a veteran player. He's been around for a long time, has a pretty decent dollar amount attached to him. No guaranteed tra- money left on his deal. Exactly. You could trade for him and all of the dead money stays there with them. All of the prorated bonus money stays there with them. I don't know what
0: his cap numbers are or anything like that. But uh, all you- I'm looking at it right now. It's in 2022, it's 12 million, 2023, 13 million, 2024, 15 million. And that's
2: his base or his total cap.
0: That's his base number.
2: Okay. Yeah. So you're bringing in a $12 million receiver and I mean, holy crap. That's talking about a wide receiver trio. that can get open, create separation, yeah. beat man coverage, score touchdowns in the red zone. Like now you're cooking, put, put whoever you want to put it tight end. It doesn't matter. We got three wide receivers that are all gonna get open against man coverage. Let's freaking go.
0: I like it. I like it. It's a good strategy. So we are both in agreement. Listen, go all in. You've got a quarterback who's 28 years old. You've got two Hall of Fame offensive linemen. Although I I hesitate to say that anymore with what we saw last yeah. week. I'm still mad what a at joke. Yeah, yep. I'm still mad at those guys. But had a good conversation with a Hall of Fame voter. They they made me feel a little bit better about what's going on there. So uh yeah, so go all in. The NFC, I think this year is going to be the weakest it's been in, I don't know, a decade, Joey. Like, the Rams are still going to be good. The Rams are going to bring back a lot of their guys. The Packers, we'll see about Aaron Rodgers. Even if Rodgers returns, there's no way that roster is going to be better than what it was last year. And then outside of those two teams, like San Francisco is going to be starting a second-year quarterback. I don't know. If there's anybody else else in the division that scares you. Nope. The NFC South is a dumpster fire of a division right now. Why not go out there and try to get the number one seed? Try to to make a yeah. run to the Super Bowl. I, I think it's very possible.
2: Yeah, that's. I, I'm in the same place, and I sort of generally have that philosophy that you should sort of do that because the only way that you give yourself a chance to win a championship is to swing big, right? Yep. Um, and so so I sort of believe that anyway. And then when you add on top of that just how weak the conference looks this year, and there's a legit chance that Aaron Rodgers isn't even in the, in the conference mm-hmm. next year. And then you're talking about the Rams, and I mean
0: – That's knows? it, probably, but right? Yeah,
2: I mean, unless you get like a huge step from Justin Fields in year right. two or something like that, like – or Trey Lance or somebody like you're looking or at somebody it. makes a big
0: trade inside that like yeah. the Eagles go out and get Russell Wilson or something exactly. like that. But I mean, this is my last thought before we head out. I think the Cowboys should be looking at this as like a two year window. Yeah. 2022, absolutely. 2023, because if Rogers is there in green Bay this year, I almost assume he's not going to be back in 2023. I think the Rams probably only have a year left in their kind of window. Right. And, Seattle. I, I mean, all these teams. I just I don't see any of them rising to the top super quickly. So make moves to to go and try to win a Super Bowl either this year or next year, and I think you can do that pretty easily. So yeah. Joey, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. You'll actually be back next week as you and Landon have a different discussion about how to tear it down. I actually know that Landon is leaning a little bit that way. He would like to see the Cowboys kind of start a rebuild, which. That's going to be a fascinating conversation. It's a scary
2: thought. It's always scary to go into that wilderness, for sure. But yeah. it, it, it
0: is. And we haven't been, been there fun. in a long time. And yeah. listen, to his point, maybe this team does need to hit the reset button. But next Friday, you guys will be back talking about that. Follow Joey on Twitter, at Joey Ikes. Uh, you can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back here on Monday. Thanks, everybody.